Amen. Amen. So I'm before you tonight on behalf of Pastor's Toe, praise the Lord, <laughs> ministering to you about the fruit of the Spirit. And I love teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor's been doing a phenomenal job. Let's give our pastor a hand for the great job he's been, always does, on the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's important to realize that once we give our lives to Jesus, we do not have to depend on ourselves any longer. And we should really thank God for that. That our character supernaturally is changed because of the power of God. Um, the fruit of the Spirit is made up of nine character traits, the nine character traits of God. And they're only produced when you're living a Christ-like life, a Christ-led life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, good, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the character traits or the attributes or what our God is made up of, having those nine character traits. And because he lives inside of us, we are allowed or enabled to produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And we are, are make those choices by our lifestyles, by our decisions. Every single day, we all, every single one of us makes a choice to produce fruit in our lives. And tonight we're talking about goodness. And we thank God that we serve a good God, don't we? That our, that, our, that our God is a good God. He is not just a good God. He's a great God. But because of the word usage, I'll just say he's a good God. Um, God is good all by himself. He really doesn't have to do much to be good. Can I get an amen? I mean, the fact that we woke up and we're here just proves that God is good to us. That uh, I believe that God is doing great things in our lives. I believe that on Sunday some of us had some dates assigned to us where God is going to show up and show up in our lives. And I drove to church today saying, God, you are good. Do I see it? Nope. Do I have it? Nope. But by faith, I know that God has something in the works. And you should have that same expectation. It's a good thing to know that we serve a good God that has good intentions for our lives, that he has good plans for us, that God wakes up with good thoughts about us on our minds. He thinks good thoughts about you. He wants to get good things to you. Everything in, around, about God is good. He is good when times are bad. Can I get an amen? He has a way of turning bad news into good news. I, I believe even today, if, if you got a bad report, listen, God will turn it into good. How do I know that? Romans 8, 28 tells us, for all things work together for the good. So even if you got bad news, let me give you some hope. It will turn out good. There is no bad thing that will overtake you, that will trip you up, that will set you down, that will stop you, because God has a way of making that thing turn out to be good. Pressure is good. Waiting is good. Hoping is good. Praying is good. Fasting is good. Does it feel good? No, it does not. But I'm telling you, God is so good. You'll feel, an in, you'll feel your spirit to rise up. You'll begin to say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know there's a good thing that's going to come out of this. And I'm going to praise you for being the good God that you are, that you're not a God that punishes us. You're not trying to ground us. You're not trying to make us feel any type of ill will. God, you're making it work out for my good. There's something in the pressure that's going to come out good in my life. So God is good. He's a good God. And so everything he does is good. The earth is good. The moon is good. People are good. Tell your neighbor, you're good. All of his creation is good. And so he allows us, his people, his children, and we can be bad. Can I get a David? He allows his bad kids to produce good fruit. 
John 15 and 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. He is the vine, people of God, we are the branches. He is the source, we are the extension. And we were called to bear good fruit. He wants us, God wants us to be effective in every area of our lives. And that effectiveness comes from bearing good fruit. John 15, 16 says, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit. The reason why we were chosen was to bear fruit. We weren't chosen to get out of our problems we weren't chosen to get out of situations. Listen to me, people of God. We weren't chosen to have prosperity, although that comes with it, praise the Lord. We were chosen to bear good fruit. And our fruit should remain, the scripture goes on to say. And it says this, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He chose us to bear much fruit. Bear means to hold up under pressure. It means to remain firm. It means to bring forth. It means to naturally produce. God's called us all to naturally produce fruit. The spiritual becomes the natural. The spiritual becomes the natural. Remember when you first got saved and you didn't walk in love or peace or joy or long-suffering? Remember that? Do you remember? Remember when you first gave your life to Christ? You weren't trying to show anybody love unless they loved you first. You didn't have joy because you were always depressed. Can I get an amen? Long-suffering, no. Give it to me right now. I don't have time to wait. <laughs> Kindness, no way. I don't know you. I'm not going to be nice to you. I don't know you, right? And if you're nice to me, what do you really want? Remember those paranoid days? Um, goodness, of faithfulness. We weren't faithful to hardly anything before we knew Jesus Christ. We didn't have a gentleness and self-control, please. So there was no self-control. It was pleasing myself before we knew Jesus, right? But now we're in the vine. We, we, we are an extension. We, we are the branches to the vine. And it says that we have to, we can now, now we can naturally produce the spiritual. We naturally produce the spiritual. Let me give you an example. Um, have any of you ever hit a situation and right away you pray? Remember you used to not do that. Remember you would cuss first. Remember, and then you would worry, and then you would pace the floor, and then you would say, what are we going to do? Why, why, why again? Why is this happening to me? But, but now, no, 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 because you are an extension of Christ, and he lives in you. Oh, we got to pray. I've got a solution. Not an answer, a solution. The solution is I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray with faith, and I'm going to pray in power, and I know that God's going to do it. I have no idea how, but I have no doubt that he will. Do you, do you, do you drive by somebody on the freeway? I'm good about this, and they're broken down on the freeway. Right away, I pray. I pray. Oh, God, protect them. Send your angels, Jesus. Lord, help them. Get them out the street. God, what are they doing, Jesus? Help, you know. It, 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 it becomes natural. I don't think about it and ponder it. It naturally comes out my mouth. How about something really is going on? You start speaking in tongues. Oh, come on. Anybody know about that? You could be at the grocery store and it just hits you. And you just start speaking in your unknown language because you're building yourself up in the most holy faith, right? You don't think about it. It's natural. The spiritual has become natural. Let your kids trip a little bit. I rebuke you and the, the blood of Jesus is on you in Jesus' name. You, you don't think about it. You don't wonder. It, it come, becomes natural. The spiritual becomes natural. I will walk through my house and plead the blood of Jesus in a, a New York second. You, I will plead the blood of Jesus. 
My kids know about the blood. Come on, your, your kids should know about the blood. That should be part of your language in your house. The spiritual becomes natural. Your husband's tripping. Father, bless him, Jesus. God, get him a little bit, but bless him, Father. How about you? You want to go off and be angry and you stop yourself. God, I just thank you for the peace of God. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not that same woman I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ. You don't think about it because the spiritual has become natural. It's because you're bearing fruit. Isn't that a blessing? You think about it next time when something automatically happens. That's because you got fruit in your life and it's bearing it. The spiritual has become the natural. And so God is saying we are to bear fruit, that we are to hold up under pressure. When the pressure comes your way, goodness should stand. When pressure is facing you, goodness is, should stand. That is not the time to freak out. That's the time to say God is still a good God. Yes, he is. Amen? So the fruit of the Spirit is the nine descriptive character traits of God, and we have to believe that we, people of God, can hold up under pressure, that we must remain firm at all times, that we are to be, be, not just bring fruit in the spiritual, but naturally bring fruit, because that is what we're, we were created to do. That's why it almost feels natural now when you hit a road and you automatically pray, or you speak the blood of Jesus, or you say in Jesus' name, or how about this, you just call his name. Hallelujah. There's power in his name, people of God. In the name of Jesus, demons flee. Come on. You don't have to say much but a word, Jesus. And something happens. The atmosphere should shift because your daddy shows up and he's got power in his hand. Come on. So goodness, we have goodness. Goodness is inside of us. Um, the goodness, um, the fact that I, God makes all things work together for the good is his goodness. We have no doubt that we will see his goodness. The word tells us that goodness and mercy are following us. Have you ever thought about that? That everywhere you go, goodness is right behind you. And don't forget his big brother, mercy. Come on, somebody. But goodness is behind you. He's with you. He's before you. He's in you. God is good to us. We will not lose our courage. We will not lose our determination or our drive until we see his goodness. I wait patiently for God to reveal his goodness. When things go crazy on in my personal life, I'm like, okay, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to fix this. I, it's, it's, like, it's like living a movie, right? Come on. Where you're like, okay, God, that's pretty uh, upsetting. But somehow, some way, you are about to so, show yourself strong. Thank you, Jesus. So that goodness that we talked about to God is the same goodness we should have in our lives. The biblical definition of goodness is this. It's this. It's, it's not just a character trait or a quality, but it's the deliberate choice of doing right or wrong. That's goodness. The deliberate choice of doing right and wrong. Choice is the firm, I'm sorry, um, goodness is the firm and persistent resistance to evil. We should be resisting evil. We should be resisting evil. It is the committed choice to choose good. It's, I'm committed to choosing good. No matter what I'm facing, I'm going to choose the good thing over the bad thing. Is the bad thing fun? You better believe it. Is the bad thing, does it feel good? Most of the time. Do we miss the bad things? Sure. I guess I'll be only one honest. But I make a consistent choice to not choose the bad or choose the evil. I choose what's right 
in the sight of God. Amen? And, you know, doing, doing good rarely feels good. Can I get an amen? It, it doesn't feel good to do good. It doesn't because you're resisting your flesh. Um, there's a constant contention between the spirit that is willing and the flesh that is weak. And if you don't have that constant contention, I wonder, are you really fighting against your flesh? Because there should be at least one time a week where you have to tell your flesh, shut up, calm down. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go there. We're not going to say that. We're not going to post that. <laughs> Some, somewhere there should be a, a pull to where you said, no, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna do the good thing. I'm gonna hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles. Even though I feel like I wanna fight so bad and I feel like I could fight really good and if I could just get one left hook, Jesus, but he says, no, hold, hold your peace. Feeling good is emotionally led thinking. It's selfish, it wants its own way. It wants its own way. It, it feels good to the flesh. It's the work of the flesh. That's why it feels good to the flesh, because it's your flesh in operation. Galatians 5, 19, 21 says this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such these things will not enter the kingdom of God. A whole bunch of things that is the works of the flesh, right? All those big New King James words. Lewdness and what, what, what? Okay, let me just message it for you, all right? Message 5.19 and Galatians 5.19 says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your way all the time. Don't you love the message? It just, it just sounds like someone with the attitude. Right? It says this, it goes on, um, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking acclamation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on and on. That's what the Message Bible says about the works of the flesh. So if you weren't sure you had the big words, the King James words, I'm sure you found a natural word that you could say, yes, a work of the flesh. And listen, sin feels good for a season. The word of God says that. Isn't that terrible? That the word actually says sin feels good for a season. I wish my kids didn't find that scripture. Sometimes they'll take it and run with it, you know. But it feels good for a season, but there's always consequences to sin. And I can't talk about the fruit of the spirit without talking about the works of the flesh, people of God, because you got to know one and the other, all right? So there's two major concepts of sin. Number one is this, to transgress, step across a boundary, or a set limit. That's breaking God's law. And God's law are his commandments. And I'm not going to go for there for sake of time. But that's one, that's one concept of sin, to transgress or to step across a boundary. The second concept of sin is to miss the mark or miss a goal, failing to meet the standard by straying away. The standard. Everybody has their own standard in here. Everybody has their own what sin is in their life. Some, some of you can watch movies that are rated R, no problem. But some of you, God said, don't watch that movie ever again. And if you miss the mark, you are in sin. According to the relationship you have with the Father, okay? And guess what? Sin is not just what you do, but it's also what you don't do. 
I'll say that again. Sin is not just what you do, it's also what you don't do. James 4, 17 says this, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's deep if you think about it. You know God said to pray to me, and you're like, I'm too busy. You just missed the mark. God said, I want you to fast every Thursday this month. God, surely you don't mean all day. I'm going to fast from something, but not from food. He said fast, and you start thinking, he must mean my Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Not your Bible. You don't have to fast. But, but, but to know good and not is sin. You know God said forgive that person in your life, but you can't do it because they did too much, and God, surely you know the details of it. Why would you not understand why I can't forgive? To not do is sin as well. So thank God for the spirit of God that lives inside of us, that we're able to uh, carry on in the fruit of the spirit. He empowers us to do good. God empowers us to do good. Doing good does the following things right here. Number one, it fulfills God's purpose in our life. Doing good fulfills God's purpose in our life. Number two, doing good glorifies God. And the third thing, when you walk in his goodness, it is a product of our trust. In God. It actually produces trust in your life when you walk in goodness. So doing good fulfills God's purpose in your life. Ephesians 2 and 10, it says this, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship, people of God. We, we, he created us in him, the purpose of our creation, the reason why you're sitting right now watching me and the reason why I'm preaching to you is that he created us to do good works. We were crafted by God. He had a design and a plan for each and every one of our lives before we even showed up on the scene. He knew what those good works would be. Listen, here's an example. If you, if you were a bully uh, before you knew Christ, and you bullied people, I guarantee you, you are a great encourager because you're going to make people love Jesus. You're going to force them to know that God is good all the time. If you were a fighter in your former life, you were a fighter and you would fight, you know, I guarantee you, you would be an amazing candidate for security team in the church. Absolutely. If you hosted great parties and your house was the party house, and you knew how to throw a good party. Come on, anybody like that, like Pastor and I? Our house was the party house. We were also hospitable. <laughs> you know, you, you could come here, you could drink here, you could crash here, you could stay the night. I mean, that, that was the party house. Guaranteed there's hospitality gift in you that God knew once you got into the kingdom of God, you would love people, you'd want to get to know people, you'd want to hang out with people. If you were outspoken and loud, I can tell you, you're probably a preacher. That you will proclaim the gospel, and you don't care who backs, who comes, who comes at you. You will not back down. You will dare somebody to come against what you're saying about your Jesus. Because you were created for that. You were created for it. And so God, you all know, God just takes what you were created for, puts his hand on it, anoints you, and then you're effective in the kingdom of God. You will never live a fulfilled life until you fulfill his purpose of doing good works. I'm not saying sitting here. I'm talking about doing good works. You'll never fulfill purpose until you start doing good works. Doing good, good, doing good glorifies God. It glorifies God. Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Doing good glorifies God. When you do good to others in the world, you're not doing it to be seen. You're doing it to glorify God. 
You're not doing it to have somebody say, oh, look at that nice lady. No, you're doing it to glorify God. God gives all the glory. That's when someone says, thank you so much. You say, oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I'm, I'm glorifying God of my Father. I am the light of the world, the salt of the earth, right? Let the light of Christ shine in your life before your brother, not, and, and not before your brothers and sisters of Christ. Please don't do nice things to us in here and treat the people out there terribly. We, we, we are all the light. It's all lit up out here. And you know, no matter how many lights you have on, it doesn't matter. It's still lit, right? It's only when you go into dark places that the light makes the difference. Don't, I, I used to be that type of Christian. I would let my light shine in church. Boy, I would pray, and I would believe God, and I would speak life, and I would love on you, and I would hug on you, unless you were a stranger. Because if you were a stranger, you might have a spirit on you. And if a spirit's on you, it can't come on me, because I'm holy. I don't want to be contaminated by the unknown spirits. And I'm definitely not going to go out into the world and touch the demons. The people outside are the demons. The people at the store, they're all demonic and, and possessed. So I have to walk a straight line because narrow is the way. Come on, you know, we just, <laughs> you, you get out this weird stuff. And, and, and you don't realize that. So, so guess what? You stop doing good for the people that need to see good because you're too good. Because a God in you is too good to touch the evil. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh. I, I was watching um, the tapes of Pastor because it's, it's uh, 40, 45, 20 years coming up. And boy, we were the most legalistic preachers, boy. I tell you, if you weren't living holy, man, holiness or hell, for real. Everyone's going to hell but this church. Because everybody here is holy. We're the only ones living this thing. You got to live this thing. You got to live it. You, we don't do anything. It's the grace of God in us, right? But doing good glorifies God. Let them see them do good. Let, let your good works point to heaven. People of God, if you're here and you struggle with that, let your good works point to heaven. That's what God wants us to do by doing good to others, even the unsaved, even the dirty, even the sinning people, even the ones that don't know Christ. Yeah, do good to them. Pastor just preached by kindness, loving kindness. We draw them, right? If you're kind, usually you got to do good. So doing good is, it glorifies God. Doing good is a product of trusting God. Um, Psalm 37 and 3, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. You trust first and then you do good. Trust him and then you'll do good. When you trust the Lord, it will happen. Trust means to rely on his strength, to rely on his ability and the integrity of the goodness of God. Be confident in who he is and what he is doing, and you will automatically do good in any situation you're facing. When you are sure of something and when things are going right in your life, typically you don't need trust. Trust comes when things are chaotic. Trust is needed when things don't make sense. Trust is needed when you're uncertain and unsure. Can I get an amen? Trust is going against what you feel and what you see, but walking in what you know, that God is still a good God. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust is faith, not fear. When you are fearful, you will freak out. Can I get an amen? And it feels good to freak out. Praise the Lord. Yes, it does. Just to go off a little bit, you all know it feels good. Amen. Proverbs 14 and 17 says this, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, 
The message Bible says the hot-headed do things they'll later regret. Oh, man. Don't you hate that? It felt good for like five minutes, and then you just felt bad. Do good, do good, do good. Trust in the Lord, you'll do good. And then what? Dwell in the land. Dwelling in the land. How about this? Stay put where God has put you. I'm going to say that again. Stay put. Usually you need trust because things are uncertain. And usually when things are uncertain, you want to leave. You want to go back to what's familiar. You want to back away. You want to go somewhere safe. You want to go to the bomb shelter under the church. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I need you to stay where you are. When times of uncertainty comes, you have to trust and do good. Stay put in the place he's put you and feed on his faithfulness. Oh, God, remember what he did for you five years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 10 days ago. Feed on his faithfulness. If you have to drive home talking to yourself, God, I remember when you got me out of this tight spot. I had no idea how we were going to do it, God, but I remember what you did for me, and I'm not going to forget that. And I know I've told five different people the same story, but I'm feeding on the faithfulness of God. And if I don't eat the faithfulness of God, I'm going to eat fear, and fear is going to make me back down and run away. But I'm going to remember, God, you'll never leave me. You won't forsake me. You have a plan for my life. You know what's happening. You have already created a door, God. God, the time that I didn't think it was going to rain, you somehow said rain in my life. God, I'm feeding on your faithfulness. When you feed on his faithfulness, you will starve your doubts to death. Trust him. Trust him and you'll do good. That's a word specifically for someone tonight. Trust God and do good. But doing good is work. Can I get an amen? Galatians 6 and 9, you all know the scripture. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we'll, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary. Doing good is work. Doing good is work. Pushing past your flesh is work. Doing God's will and not your will is work. It's easy for us to do what we want, but doing what God wants is work. When God says, don't say anything, woman of God, and your lip is quivering because you have such the great comeback. And you know God said, don't say it, but it's so right there. It's work to say, God, cover my mouth, right? It, 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 it's work. And, and, and you grow weary, you grow weary. But I've taught this before. You grow weary by letting others water weary. You know, people can water your weariness. They, they can water it. You know, the people that when you say, oh, man, I've just been doing this for so long, and, and they remind you, you know, how long you've been waiting and how hard you've been praying and you haven't seen any results yet. And then before you know it, you know, your weariness has caused you now to give up. They've, they've actually literally grown weary. They've grown weary. Um, a, a story in my life, I was, you know, believing God for our, our pastor on his marriage to get on right track, and it was, it was just, you know, hitting a wall and hitting a wall. And this is after we were in church, people God, but you wanted to get to the Lifetime movie part, and it wasn't there yet. We, we were just kind of starting the, the bad Netflix movie part where it did, you know, where the characters can't act and stuff. You were in that part, but we weren't in the... <laughs> and so it was, so it was trying to get there, and, and y'all, I was tired. I was tired, and I had not a friend but an acquaintance that kind of knew my story, knew I was a woman of God, knew I was a strong woman of God, and she caught me on an off day while I was just looking pitiful. And, of course, what's wrong? Oh, gosh, wrong question to ask me on that day. I went for it. I, 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 everything. God, God wasn't good. He wasn't going to do it. I, all the years I've been waiting, I'm still not getting it. And this was not even a saved woman. 
This was someone I'd been witnessing to, just killed my witness. <laughs> and I'm telling her and telling her, and boy, it felt good. It felt good to vent. It felt good to, it felt good to be honest with my feelings. It felt good. Sometimes you get sick of, God's going to do it. We'll win. <laughs> God is able, is he? <laughs> Won't he do it? I don't know. <laughs> and I was weary, and I was weary, and, and I was weary, and guess what? When I told her, she was like, well, you know, you've been praying a long time, and man, that's a long time to wait for and, and to believe that God's going to change him. And, you know, I divorced my first husband, then my second husband, I divorced him too. And then she's talking to me all these, you know, she's testifying to me now. <laughs> and I remember sitting at that table in the conference room. She had grown weary. She grew my weary. She grew my weariness. And before you know it, girl, that's right, I don't know. You start doubting. You start doubting yourself because you're around the wrong person that's growing weary. You got to be careful who you have in your life. You got to be careful who is whispering in your ear. You have to be careful that when someone starts to grow weary, change the conversation. But my God is able. And you know what, matter of fact, you've actually encouraged me and reminded myself, because I don't want to be divorced five times, you reminded myself, I'm going to fight for my marriage. You know, you got you to change it away. You got to change it away and say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to grow weary in the middle of doing good, in the middle of waiting on your promise, in the middle of waiting for God to, to give you what you've asked for, in the middle of the date that God, you thought you guys had an agreement has passed, in the middle of that, be careful that you're only around people that will sharpen you, that will speak life to you, that will tell you it's going to happen, that will tell you it's, don't, don't worry, you're going to make it, don't give up. Iron sharpens iron. Make sure you're around someone that is sharpening you, especially when you know you're weary. And some of us know there's certain people you should not call when you're weary. Because you know the ones that's going to feel sorry for you, right? Don't call the feel sorry for you people when you're weary. Don't call the I've been hurt by the church people when you're weary. Don't call the divorce five times people when you're weary. Don't call the defeated when you're weary. So you might just have to call on Jesus. Okay? You might just have to call on Jesus. So doing good, doing good, it's hard, it's tough. And it, it is a conflict. There should be a conflict going on all the time. And I'm closing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, uh, you know, Paul, our friend Paul. Because he understood the conflict of wanting to do good but not being able to do good. And, and, and I love it. Romans 7, 14, and 25, Paul has got this thing going on. And for sake of time, I'm not going to read it. But, but write it down. Romans 7, 14 through 25. And basically it's, you know, I, I don't want to do it, but I do it. I don't want to. Every time I don't want to do, I do. It's, it's just chaotic. It's schizophrenic mess, okay? It, it, it's our lives in, in, a, in a chapter. Like seriously, it, all of us can relate to it. Um, here, here's Romans in the message. I'll read the message to you. And Paul says this, I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. We could just think, think about that for a minute. It says, um, isn't this also your experience? Well, yes, Paul, it is. He's talking to us. Yes, Paul, it is our experience. Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. C come on. 
Come on. And, and, and then it says, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. It goes on 17 through 20 in the message. It says, but I need something more for, for I know the law but can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. Can I get an amen? It's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. It says this, I've tried everything, but nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? But then he ends with this, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to the set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind. But I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. But thank God, Jesus Christ. Thank God, the power of God that lives inside of us. Thank God, the Holy Spirit that rests in all of us allows us to line up according to the Holy Spirit. Thank God that God is there to aid and assist us and to whisper in us, if you messed up, you can keep on going. If you fail, get back up. You don't always have to make the bad decision. I have a way for you. I am your escape. Call on me, Jesus says. And do good. The answer is Jesus Christ and the fruit that's produced in our life. That's the answer. So Galatians 5, 22, 25, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. There's, there's fruit there. We, we are called to bear fruit. We are able to withstand pressure and bear fruit. If you feel like you're going to freak out, say, oh, no, I'm going to bear fruit. God, your fruit, your goodness, I need it to bloom in my life. I need it to blossom in my life. God, show me that you are a good God and let me reflect who you are on the earth. Do good to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Do good to glorify God. Do good and trust him more. And do good and keep on working for him. Do good and keep on working for him. Trust him. Feed on his faithfulness and continue to do good. If you are blessed by this word, come on, give Jesus a hand praise. Hallelujah. Come on. He's a good God. Let's thank him for being so good to us.